Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and jhicks042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the Indisco Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. But it's all good because guess what? This is the Indisco podcast with your boy Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. Y'all know what time it is. It's back with the NBA season is coming up real soon. We just had the draft and it was very interesting for the most part, uh, considering that, you know, we are in a pandemic, everything was virtual. And I'm not even gonna lie to you, half of the people that got drafted didn't even know they existed. But you know what? It's all good because I got the right person here to talk about the draft with me. This is Bulls Confidential, NBC Sports Chicago brother, Mike Walton. Mike, my guy, what's happening with you, man? Yo, yo, how's it going, Joshua? Thanks for having me on, man. It's going well. I'm very excited about the Bulls' future. Um, the draft went very different from how I expected, but just because I got a lot of faith in the new front office, I'm I'm sort of in the middle right now, so... Like I said, I already knew a lot about Patrick Williams, um, but I'm not going to jump the gun too much. But basically, I'm I'm okay with how the draft turned out. Things were all right. So, yeah, I mean, I think at this point we kind of don't have a choice but to be okay with it. I mean, this is AK's first go around as the as the top dog um, when it comes to picking and selecting picks in the draft. Same with Mark Eversley, but at the same time, this draft was just weird because of the fact that outside of the top three. It really could have gone any way with any of these players. There's no solidified yeah. person that was, you know, the must go to. We got to get this guy. And to find out afterwards that the Bulls pretty much knew that. So they just went with the best person that would be available. Makes sense. So this guy, Patrick Williams, I'm not going to lie. I haven't dove into the draft as much as I normally would in pre, in, you know, and have been in previous years. So to hear Patrick Williams' name yeah. come up, I was like, Okay, who is this guy? But when you do more research on it, I think it actually sort of fits what AK and them really want to do, which is to have versatility all across the board. People that can play multiple positions, people that can defend multiple positions. And the fact that Billy Donovan is a ball movement centric offense that he talked about that he really wants to do. And even during his time in Oklahoma City, you could tell defensively the schemes that he had we're multi-versatile, they're multi-position. You know, he I think we're trying, I think AK is trying to move towards this positionless basketball. And the fact that 
Patrick Williams is the guy that shows signs. He already, he's huge as heck. Patrick Williams got a huge body, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a big, big body. Kid. Huge right. kid. And to have that body and the versatility and uh and the motion and the movement from offense and defense where he can play all the both positions, I think he has a good chance where the ceiling is, it could be high for him, especially since AK is a huge, very huge player development person and puts a lot of emphasis in player development. So and I, I was going to say physically, he's got what we call that, uh, that Debo swollenness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for real. But I like, but I'm not going to lie. But after I, after I pondered on it and thought about it, I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm interested to see how this thing goes with Patrick. I mean, what were your thoughts as, you know, the drafty guru, draft, draft guru guy that you are? Like, what was your initial thoughts of the Bulls pick? And does it actually make sense? Like, were you actually not surprised when you thought about this and actually had time to marinate on it? Did, did this pick actually make sense for the Bulls? Uh, yeah, so first off, this pick, it, I mean, it definitely made some sense for the Bulls. Um, but first off, you know, Josh, I'm gonna keep it. I'm, I'm gonna just keep it real. My initial reaction was what I was just like, you, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, and I mean, to be fair, like I wasn't necessarily, uh, shocked with the pick. And that, I think that's just because I'll give credit where credit is due. Um, Casey Johnson bulls insider, at NBC sports, Chicago, Casey did a great article, uh, where he sort of talked about, I think a day before the draft, maybe even, uh, that the Bulls were really interested in Patrick Williams. Uh, they were giving him serious looks at four. Some teams were even trying to trade up. And just different people and sources I talked to were saying they had heard the same thing. You know, the Bulls really liked Patrick Williams. Um, from where I had Patrick Williams ranked, it's not even important because I think I had him, you know, under the lottery. I definitely had him as a first-round pick. I'm not disappointed with it because, you know, a lot of my friends were disappointed with the picks. They're just like, I've never heard of Patrick Williams. I haven't seen his YouTube highlights or heard of him on ESPN. So he sucks. <laughs> but uh, the people I know who are a little bit more nuanced with it, you know, if you know Patrick Williams, he has some obvious strengths that are going to translate to the NBA from day one. And so I'm trusting Karnaschovas. Um, shout out to Will Gottlieb, a writer of Bleacher Report. He tweeted, it feels weird giving the Bulls the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the draft. And it's true that with this new front office, I think they're really smart guys. So we're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but really quickly, so Patrick Williams. Uh, now, I think I had him 21 on my big board right when the season ended. Uh, but he really could have been in the lottery with his teammate, Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell was a guy at Florida State who was a 3 and D player. Uh, also could play either forward position and he started Patrick Williams came off the bench um, I'm sure you've seen plenty of jokes about that on Twitter already so I think that's the right place to start um, Patrick Williams made ACC all freshman team uh, I watched pretty much every Florida State and Duke game a lot of Clemson just because I'm a huge ACC basketball fan so he made ACC all freshman uh, and he was ACC six man of the year so he was very productive off the bench for a very good elite Florida State team coached by Leonard Hamilton, who's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. Um, basically, he did about nine. He had about nine points a game, four rebounds, I think maybe an assist. The most important part that stood up, stood out, excuse me, he averaged one steal a game and one block per game as a player coming off the bench. Um, so he's a rare player who has defensive impact where he can act as a rim protector, but you also don't really have a problem switching him out on a point guard, on a shooting guard. At Florida State, when they brought him in off the bench, 
the key moments they would bring him in is usually whenever a guy got going hot early in the first half, you bring Patrick Williams in, you know, you can throw him on a, on a Cam Reddish type, you know, you can throw him and I'm talking about in college, but translating to the NBA, I think I tweeted today. The biggest advantage for the Bulls with Patrick Williams is you can throw him on a primary or secondary scoring option. And that's one less player. Zach Levine has to guard, you know, that's one less player. Kobe White has to guard, Lowry Markkinen has to guard. So, you know, he has some very great defensive versatility. And so I think he's going to be an impact player from day one on defense. Um, again, the kid is huge, 6'8", 225, very muscular. But that's just all the great stuff about him. And he's not going to be a problem in terms of his role. You know, he's ready to come off the bench, start whatever Billy Donovan asks of him, he's going to execute it. Now let's talk about why I'm disappointed with the pick. <laughs> uh, I do love the fact that, you know, he's a very physical forward who can guard inside, outside. I thought the Bulls' biggest issue was that they're a terrible passing team and they need playmaking. So I thought no matter who it was, you got to take a point guard at four, uh, try to move Sadoransky to the two permanently or trade him and Thad. Basically, I was just hoping they would get another point guard to go with Kobe White, Zach Levine, and Sadoransky to sort of mix things up. Um, and again, the Bulls had one of the worst assist to turnover ratios in the league. So they need playmaking, which is why I didn't like a prospect like Denny Avija that much. But because he's a passing forward, I was interested. Um, Patrick Williams is not a passing you know, forward. He had one assist a game and I believe he had two turnovers a game. Uh, and I could be a little off with that, but it was like right around two turnovers. So he's a defensive first player offensively. You know, there's a lot of talk about him being a good three point shooter. He only shot 32 percent from three. And he took less than two threes a game. So he had certain games where he exploded from deep, but there's nothing that says right now he's a great three-point shooter. So the idea of him as a three and D guy is still a little bit uh, of a theory more than something we can just say. Now he did shoot 83% from the free throw line. So usually, as you know, when someone's a great free throw shooter, they have the ability to become a three-point shooter one day. So I think Karnaschovas is trying to sell Patrick Williams as a player who's going to be become an elite three and D player like a Robert Covington, but uh, Karnaschovas talked yesterday, I believe about Patrick Williams having more ball handling ability than he showed in college because he, he had some playmaking and ball handling responsibilities in high school. So that's something I'm being honest. I didn't really see it all from him at Florida state um, in his two games. I believe that he played against Duke. You'll find some highlights where he has some great coast to coast uh, moves some great crossovers but that's only one game, you know, I don't really see enough to think of him as a secondary ball handler. So that's his swing skill to me because the shooting, I think one day will develop, but Arturis Karnaschova says Patrick Williams can be a defender and a ball handler. And I haven't seen that second part. So if he can, he's going to be worth that pick. But if it turns out he's just a elite defensive role player, I think that fits the bulls right now, but I don't think it was worth the top four pick. And again, I don't work for the bulls, so I could be wrong, but I don't buy that they couldn't trade down from that number four pick. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I thought the same thing too. I thought if anything, they really needed to get a point guard. Um, I thought maybe yeah. we were trying to go up and maybe get LaMelo ball. Um, although I, that could work. I'm not fully too sold on LaMelo just because I can't trust his shooting ability. But <laughs> right. at the same time, you know, I mean, LaMelo is a very good playmaker like Lonzo was. He can, he, he does have good core vision. He is a bigger point guard that could be a little bit more physical. So, and, and the fact that Kobe isn't a developed, fully developed point guard yet, he's still a scoring guard. So putting him at that right. two, you know, having someone like LaMelo who can facilitate and pass the ball, if they, had, if they had a chance to move up or even getting a guy who I, like Killian Hayes, who I really thought the Bulls 
you know, could be, really benefit from. Um, oh yeah. Could benefit, you know, could be that guy for them. Um, even though, even though I do believe that number four pick was a little too high for Killian, Killian ended up going number seven. I believe he went number seven to Detroit. So he was around that range. Uh, to the Pistons, yes. Yeah, so he was around that range where, you know, maybe getting a form, maybe, maybe getting him at form wouldn't have been too bad. Um, so I don't, I, I get what they're trying to do, though, as far as bringing that, that versatility, making a bigger wing um, for the long term, um, and maybe just, the, and maybe having an opportunity, a chance to really develop him offensively and take advantage of his, of his abilities defensively, very similar to what they did with Jimmy Butler. Um, when he was in Chicago, he came as a yeah. defense specialist, and over time, they worked with him to develop his offensive game to where he became the guy that he is now. But I like you said, I, I just don't know if that could translate. How how quick of a turnaround would that translate? Because the NBA is a league where, you know, you get a couple years, and if you don't see it show no promise, teams are going to move on. Does he have that ability to, yeah. really, you know, develop that offensive game up to par in a timely fashion? that suits the Bulls, especially with, you know, with AK and his new management, they're going to be flipping this roster around. I can't see this roster being the same after this year, maybe even halfway through this year, depending on the, on how the Bulls develop. So I don't know. Yeah. And my, my main issue with it, I think when you just look at the draft order, um, something I've heard, Heard people say back and forth, just having conversations on Twitter, had a lot of fun during the draft tweeting from the Bulls confidential account, which I please want people to go follow over on Twitter. Um, but basically, you know, the thought is you don't need to worry about draft slot or draft value, because if the guy's the right guy for the team and, you know, has the right potential, it doesn't matter if you took him early because he was the right pick for your team. So I get that logic. Um, but in a draft like this was sort of a weak class. Um, no one was really sure what any team was going to do, especially the Bulls. It seemed like no one had good intel uh, on what the Bulls were going to do besides Casey Johnson. And so what I would say is when you look at the draft order, uh, I didn't want the Bulls to select Obi Toppin, sort of for the same reason as Patrick Williams. No, Patrick Williams, I think he can play the small forward position, but he does seem like because of his frame that he's going to be more of a power forward. Um, and obviously Lowry Markin is the franchise power forward. And I don't really want to think about the idea of spending a top four pick on a backup power forward, <laughs> which is what it comes back to with Patrick Williams, if that's what he becomes. And so Obi Toppin, I didn't want him for that same reason. I don't want to log jam at the four, especially with Thaddeus Young still on the roster. But the Knicks were thrilled uh, to be able to get Obi Toppin with the eighth pick because no one really thought he was going to be available that late. So while, you know, people can say the Bulls didn't really have an opportunity to trade down, just using him as one of many examples. If you take Obi Toppin at four, I think you get a lot of phone calls from the Knicks specifically over and over trying to see what they can do to give you a package centered around the eight pick to get Obi Toppin. So I think the Bulls could have taken a rookie that they didn't want necessarily just to put some pressure on other teams because Karnaschovas is so good at playing sort of mind games with other GMs. I think he had a pretty good idea of what other teams wanted to do. Um, I'm sure you follow Denny Avija was talked about as being a top seven pick. Uh, he went ninth to the Wizards. Why not take Denny Avija at four? The Wizards get uh, Patrick Williams at nine. Then you can trade Denny Avija for Patrick Williams and force the Wizards to give you another asset that can go a long way. So you know, I expected these type of creative trades from Karnaschovas where the Bulls would pick up assets. And right now, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, 
slam him, but it feels a little garpaxy just in the sense that it feels like the Bulls settled. And uh, Bulls fans are used to settling, especially in the draft. And so, you know, on initial reaction, it didn't feel good. But after you take a while to think about it, Patrick Williams is much better than we're giving him credit for. Uh, there was a lot of chatter that teams are trying to trade up to get him. And there was also some chatter that the Pistons would have took him at seven if the Bulls didn't get him at four. So when I talk about value, it's not really that big of a difference uh, if he was going to go three picks later. Um, but the main point I just wanted to bring up outside of a player like Obi Toppin, um, my draft board, I had Tyrese Maxey, uh, the guard from Kentucky, as a lot of people did in my lottery. I believe I had him three. <laughs> I had him three or four on my draft board. He was in my top five. Um, I think he's going to be one of those players. Classic Kentucky showed a lot, but didn't show everything in college. And now in the pros, he's really going to blossom. He went 21st in the draft to the Sixers. Um, I don't think any analysts thought he was going to get outside of the lottery. So it's extremely shocking to say the least. Uh, I don't think the Sixers are going to trade Simmons or Embiid. I think Daryl Morey, uh, if the trades he's made are any indication, he's going to add shooting around Simmons and Embiid. And a player like Tyrese, a player, excuse me, like Tyrese Maxey can take over the point guard spot and allow Ben Simmons to play the three or the four. He can play the two guard and allow Simmons to play the one. Um, so Daryl Morey already is just adding so much to that team. And, you know, I could be wrong about Maxey being a player who should be taken in the top five. But the idea that the Bulls get, or excuse me, that the Sixers can get a player like Maxey at 21 who I think is going to be a star and the bulls got Patrick Williams, a player who I think is going to be an elite role player at four. Um, you know, it just doesn't sit well. It feels like the bulls definitely reach. Um, but the last thing I want to say on that is I made the point that I do think this draft taught bulls fans that Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley really believe on the players currently on the roster because Patrick Williams is really just there to compliment Zach Levine, Kobe white and Lowry Markin. And so I would hope this means that the players on the, the team right now are better than we think uh, because Patrick Williams, he just doesn't seem like he has the same ceiling as the others guys, but I have no doubt he's going to be a great NBA player. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Bulls Confidential editor, Mark, Mike Walton. Mike, I mean, I feel you. I, I feel you. Tyrese Maxey was the guy, was a guy for me that really shocked me as well. Going that, going that uh, low in the first round. Um, I, that, I really think that's a steal for Philadelphia. They're going to really do a great job with him, especially Doc Rivers at the point guard himself, that he's going to he's going to flip Ben Absolutely. Simmons and Tyrese Maxey to another level. I really believe that. But the Bulls did end up taking a point guard, per se. He just wasn't drafted. They got Devon Dotson from Kansas. And I like the move. I like the move. Just because, I mean, cause, because of the fact, offensively, we know he was a burst. He was a huge burst in Kansas. Yeah, Dude has speed, he has and, and quickness, but at the same time, he had the ability to put the ball in the basket. So pairing him in a backcourt with Kobe White brings that much more of an extra firepower, per se, to that backcourt. And the fact that he's a hometown kid, huge fan of Derrick Rose, so you can see some oh, of the yeah. similarities of how his game style sort of correlates with Derrick, a young Derrick Rose, man, I'm, I'm excited for them to take that route with him. But at the same time, I also question, is he really the point guard the Bulls need? And I ask that because of the fact that we already have a point guard in Kobe White, who we know when he gets hot, he can fill it up. So since you already got a scoring point guard, 
I think the point guard the Bulls really need is someone that can actually run an offense, someone that can actually put players in the prime positions for them to score in the most effective ways possible, especially people like Zach Levine, who can get his own shot whenever he wants to. Otto Porter, who is really a spot-up shooter, and Markkinen, who is a stretch forward that really, which I believe actually can really blossom under Billy Donovan, but he needs to have the right person to put him in that right position. So I, I I love the fact that we got Dotson, who's someone that can score the ball when necessary, and can be an effective shooter uh, for the three-point line mm-hmm. as well. But is he the guy that can actually run your offense? Is he the guy that can put Zach Levine, Kobe White, Otto Porter Jr., even Laurie Markkinen, even in a pick-and-roll situation, can he put these guys in the right positions so that way they can flourish offensively, especially since Billy Donovan is more of a ball movement you know, type of guy? Yeah, so um, in short, Excuse me. I would, in short, excuse me, I would actually say yes. Um, I think basically uh, I might have went a little far, but on Twitter, I went as far as to say I think Arturis Karnashovas uh, saved sort of his draft in the eyes of Bulls fans by picking up Devon Dotson. Um, so it sounds like I'm being dramatic, but the biggest reason I say that, and I think a lot of analysts would agree, uh, Dotson is someone who, first of all, was supposed to get drafted. Um, it is pretty shocking that he became an undrafted free agent. Uh, first of all, it's because of his pedigree. Um, now, he was born in Chicago. I believe he, he moved at a young age and ended up playing uh, some prep ball before he went to Kansas. But he did say he grew up modeling his game after Derrick Rose, uh, which, as uh, you know, some of the Bulls outsiders said, makes me feel like I'm a thousand years old <laughs> hearing someone say they grew up modeling their game after Derrick Rose. But basically, Dotson is six foot two. Um, six foot three wingspan, I think. So not extremely, you know, long or anything. Typical point guard size, but he is a bulldog when it comes to on-ball defense. And that's really the start of why I love this pick. Um, Yes, the Bulls, as I said at the top, need a point guard who's a playmaker first. Um, They need to focus on becoming a better passing team. Dotson is an all all right passer but honest, that's not really the first thing I think of with him but I love the pick nonetheless or excuse me the pickup because he is a true point guard and that's why he fits with Kobe White um you know it doesn't really matter in the positionless NBA I don't think Kobe White is a point guard he's you know six four or six five with shoes on so I think Kobe's a two I think he's an excellent backup two for Zach Levine and I want that to be our two guard rotation for you know the <laughs> for the next 10 years um but I think Kobe's a two ultimately and Dotson is great because, like I said, he's six foot two, so you can play him on the second unit with Kobe White and uh, see how that looks. And they would be one of the fastest backup backcourts in the league. Um, Dotson is a lightning quick end to end player, and he shot 36% from the three point line his freshman year. And then that regressed a little bit to 30% last year. I would caution people not to be too worried. He was the focal point or one of the focal points of the Kansas offense. So we just had a lot of attention. In Chicago, if he actually sees playing time, no one's going to be thinking about Devon Dotson when you're guarding Zach Levine, Lowry Markin, and Wendell Carter. So he would get a lot of open shots, just like Patrick Williams will. Um, But no offense to Patrick Williams. Unlike Patrick Williams, I think Devon Dotson is definitely going to be able to knock down all of those open three-point shots. And so his assist rate was about, I think, 22%. Uh, last season and a 13% turnover rate. So he's a player basically who gets more assist and turnover. So he's going to be positive when it comes to making the bulls a better passing team. But the main skills is he can shoot it from the outside. And then his strength is defense. 
uh, he was, excuse me, he was Big 12, all, uh, all Big 12, both years he was in college. And also he was unanimous second team All-American uh, last season. He averaged 2.1 steals per game. So I just want to put that into perspective because, again, coming from a 6'2 player who was playing very physical, guarding a lot of tough point guards in the Big 12, uh, it's very impressive that he was pretty much easily able to average over two steals a game. And if you look at advanced stats, pretty much any player that's being that productive in, in a big conference in college basketball in terms of steals, they're going to turn out to be a pretty good defender at the NBA level. Man, I hope so. I hope so because we need it. We need it badly. And speaking of point guards that actually are very aggressive defensively, I thought an underrated pick was the Spurs drafting Trey Jones. I think I thought that was, that a, was actually an excellent pick. I thought that was a very underrated, very good pick for the Spurs, especially since Trey Jones, he pretty much fits, you know, the ideal point guard of the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, DeJounte Murray, that dude is that dude is the real deal. He's gonna do his thing up in San Antonio. But to have Trey Jones come off that bench, yeah. And then coming from the coming from the culture of Duke to the Duke of San, or excuse me, to the culture of San Antonio, like Coach K to Greg Popovich is a pretty easy transition, I would say. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. And the fact that Popovich has point guard has the point guard that he could really model his game after Tony Parker. Tony Parker, I think he could exactly. Really fit really fit that point guard role that Tony Parker played in San Antonio and another point guard that used to be a spur, but is, uh, but had made a very good career throughout the NBA's Corey Joseph. I think those two point Absolutely. guards that played under the Spurs really model, really are games that Trey Jones can really can model off of. And I think that was a huge deal for the Spurs because it, it keeps the momentum going. DeJounte Murray is a more aggressive point guard that can score the ball, but Trey Jones is a facilitator and like and a mad bulldog defensively. So to have those two as your as your main point guards, I think that's a good point starting point guard, backup point guard combination when it comes to keeping game people, you know, keeping the team in games and fully running the show offensively, especially for the Spurs. Yeah, and of course, and of course, you know, Duke is my favorite team. So Trey Jones was a guy I would have loved for the Bulls to pick up a late pick uh, and pick up late in the first round. But really, I love that you brought him up just because Trey Jones is a great fit in San Antonio for the same reason I wanted the Bulls to draft a point guard. Um, and it's because of their guard situations. A lot of people might say, oh, the Bulls don't need a point guard. You know, the Spurs don't need a point guard. They have so many guards. But in a truly positionless NBA, you know, when you look at the Spurs roster, DeJounte Murray, you mentioned really big guard who is just showing the ability to shoot the three-point shot, and he's a bulldog on defense also. Derek White, you know, also a big guard who's excellent on defense. So Lonnie Walker, excellent guard who's a two-guard but has some playmaking skills. So with the young guards they have in San Antonio, just like in Chicago, I don't think point guard, shooting guard label matters. You can just rotate guys in and out. I think you can play Trey Jones with DeJounte Murray. I think you can play Trey Jones with, you know, Lonnie Walker. You can play him next to Derek White and you can just mix and match. So, you know, the Bulls still have that ability with Patrick Williams, because again, I don't think he's going to be quick enough to play uh, the three. Um, something that, you know, uh, something that someone people see, I retweet a lot. Peter Bonello, great Chicago comedian. He brought up, that Patrick Williams doesn't seem like he's quick enough to play the small four position. I talked to him a lot about the draft and it was something I didn't really consider because I've always thought of Patrick Williams as a four, but he brought up the way Karnashovas had been talking about him. Uh, it seems like he expects him to play the small forward spot. So 
the Bulls, if if Patrick Williams can play the three, they're going to be able to have that same positional versatility that I was talking about, swapping guys in and out. Um, I think the biggest question now becomes how big of a part of the offense is, you know, Thaddeus Young and Tomas Sadoransky? You know, what are their roles on the team? Um, Thaddeus Young was pretty upset last year about Jim Boylan not giving him enough playing time. Is he going to be satisfied with the playing time with Patrick Williams, Wendell Carter, Lowry Markinen, and Daniel Gafford, who a lot of people are forgetting about, but I expect Gafford to have a monster year next year. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how the rotation pans out, but I trust Billy Donovan because I think he's a really good coach. I think Billy Donovan had a lot to do with Patrick Williams being the pick. So I'm, I'm trusting in Karnaschovas. You know, if I had to give the draft pick you know, a grade off the top of my head, I'd probably say C plus because ultimately I do feel like the Bulls settled, but there's no doubt Patrick Williams is going to be a good player. The question is, is he a good enough player to justify how high they took him? Because I know the front office doesn't care about this, but this is the way I think Bulls fans are going to view this. As we saw um, when the Hawks traded, to get Trey Young instead of taking Luka Doncic, they still hear from people to this day what a terrible mistake it was. And so, you know, I don't think the Bulls should have traded up because you probably have to give up Wendell Carter or Lowry Markin or a really good player. But if Patrick Williams doesn't pan out to be a very good player, he's always going to be remembered as the guy who's taken one pick behind LaMelo Ball. And so it's going to be a tough tough reputation to live up to if Lamelo's going out every night getting triple doubles shaking Damian Lillard on crossovers dunking on Obi Toppin if he's just if Lamelo Ball's going ballistic his rookie year Anthony Edwards is averaging 22 points a game in Minnesota you know James Wiseman is putting up 15 and 10 in Golden State Bulls fans aren't gonna want to hear about how great of a defender Patrick Williams is if he's putting up seven points a game and three rebounds and, you know, I want to temper a lot of fans because I think, you know, seven points and three rebounds is a joke, but that could be his stats. Um, I think the way we're going to have to measure Patrick Williams impact is how good is the Bulls defense next season? Because Jim Boylan gets a lot of crap. I was a big part of giving Jim Boylan crap. The Bulls defense was pretty good last year. Very gimmicky. But if you look at the advanced stats, the Bulls are a great defensive team or not great, but they were a good defensive team uh, last year. Great for certain stretches. So. If the Bulls revert uh, to being a bad defensive team this season, because the season is fast approaching, so Billy Donovan has to get things going quickly. Um, if the Bulls become a bad defensive team and Patrick Williams isn't shooting the three well, he's not really contributing to the team at all. And then if Patrick Williams is doing poorly, that makes me look at Chandler Hutchison, who hopefully he's not doing poorly, because the idea of Patrick Williams is to help the small forward depth. If Patrick Williams isn't good, if Chandler Hutchison isn't good, Otto Porter's often injured and on his way out, potentially, the Bulls could still be just as big of a hole at the small forward spot as they are before they got Patrick Williams. So I would just say to fans, really look forward to a big year from Wendell Carter and Lowry Markinen because we still haven't really seen them play together as a front court because of injuries. So I would hope from a big year for the, from the duo of Wendell Carter and Lowry Markinen. And then I would look for the Bulls to still make a trade because um, those rumors of the Bulls being interested in Kimball Walker, I don't think the Bulls were aggressively trying to get him, but the Bulls definitely called around for the veteran point guard market, I believe, and I could still see the Bulls swing the trade, uh, perhaps involving Sadoransky or Thad Young to get a veteran point guard. So I'm excited. I like the way the team is built right now. 
Um, but it's, you know, Patrick Williams, I think is just going to be a very good addition to what they already have. I think he's going to help out Zach Levine a lot, but mostly I would tell people just look forward to window Carter and Lowry marketing playing together and almost treat them like your rookies because, you know, we didn't have a good coach last year. Now we're going to really get to see what this team looks like under a legit head coach who we know can get a young team to the playoffs. That is a very good point, Mike. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Mike Walton. And I, th- I also think Wendell's going to – I think Wendell has something to prove this year, especially since as of late, the yeah. rumors. I mean, trading about him being in a potential package deal for the number two pick with the Warriors because of, of the assumption that the Bulls may be trying to get Wiseman. Um, you know, like I think those rumors that took place po- in the in the offseason, whether whether the, the, the Bulls were going to try and trade Lowry to get somebody – um, you know, I think that's going to really give them the extra uh, push that they need to get the motivation and really get their games going, because I believe this is a trial year for a lot of this, a lot of Bulls players on this team. Yeah, this is the year that our, the AK and Mark Everson are going to really look at this Bulls roster and really try to figure out, OK, who should stay and who should go. And if they, and if they find that out by halfway through the season, like you said, I won't be surprised if they make a midseason trade where they get rid of Otto Porter's contract, or maybe they try to get rid or they get rid of any of these players that they really think are not going to be in their long-term plans. Because remember 2021, that's the off season where you're going to get a lot of people, especially if Giannis doesn't sign this extension, you're going to, you're going to have some, exactly. you're going to have somebody like Giannis in the free agent pool. If depending on what Anthony Davis does this year, this off season, whether he signs a one year, two year, three year deal, or even a max deal, depending on how, how that goes, he may be on the market. So it's like, Trying to 2021 is going to be the year where they got all that cap space for them to really work and, and reconfigure this roster. I think this is going to be the year we're going to find out what the Bulls are really made of. Yeah. And with restricted free agency fast approaching for a young player like Lowry Marketing, you know, this is a prove it year for marketing. Um, you know, it looked like he was about to become a clear 20 point game player and then last year he had a you know a relatively bad season under Jim Boylan so now it's time to see can Larry Markin actually be someone who's a star player so the Bulls have to decide what his value is um, as we talked about Otto Porter going to be on an expiring contract so obviously that could be attractive around the league if he's playing well or if he plays really well the Bulls may want to bring Otto Porter back um, at a reasonable number but I like that you brought up Wendell because I do think went very badly that he can shoot the three-point shot. And um, I would go as far as to say, I think that's going to be the key to this bull season, which is fast approaching. Um, Wendell Carter was, you know, one of my favorite prospects. I was disappointed that the Bulls uh, didn't get uh, Michael Porter Jr. in that draft over Wendell because I was always concerned if Wendell could do enough on offense. I knew he was going to be a star on defense, but I wasn't sure if he can do enough on offense. Um, I don't think Wendell Carter is ever going to be a very good low post score because of his size, but that's not really very important in today's NBA. But something he did throughout his career so far is he's shown he can hit the mid-range shot. Um, in college at Duke, at that one year Duke, he was draining three-pointers. So he said over the offseason, I'm sure you've seen Josh, you know, he's brought up that he can shoot it and he's going to show people. So on offense, if the Bulls have an offense where Lowry Markkinen is back to his old self, draining threes, and then Wendell Carter is showing on pick and pops and spot ups, he can hit threes. That dynamically changes your entire offense. And I think a big thing Wendell Carter Jr. and Markkinen both hitting threes does is it puts less pressure on a player like Patrick Williams 
to be a great three-point shooter. You know, maybe Patrick Williams will be a good three-point shooter in his second or third year, but maybe he won't in his rookie year. But if Wendell Carter and Lowry Markkinen are draining threes as front court players, that means you can put Patrick Williams at the three and he can focus on what he does best on offense right now, which is driving towards the basket with a full head of steam and finishing through contact. So I think Wendell Carter really unlocking that three-point shot is going to be the key to the Bulls reaching their ceiling. Um, but I think regardless of how things pan out, the Bulls are going to end up competing for a playout spot just because of the addition of the play-in tournament. I think the Bulls can definitely snag a 9 or 10 seed and uh, be competitive going forward. So really most of my faith in the team this year comes from Billy Donovan uh, being inserted as the head coach. And let's see how, you know, hopefully with the um, continued development of Larry Market and Window, that can also alleviate a lot of a lot of stress off of Zach Levine too. He he doesn't have to try to score go try to score 25 yeah. to 30 points a game, even though Zach Levine's ceiling just got that much higher from his progression last year as a go-to scorer as a number one option and an improved shooter as well. Because we always knew that he had the athleticism. We knew that he can get to the rim at any time he wants to, but the, the fact that he can actually shoot the three now and at an efficient rate, that's that's going to be scary for the Bulls as long as he continues to continues to improve on that. So now that we are at this point, free agency is coming up. Bulls obviously don't really have much roster space, but one thing they can always do is find some more shooting. Do they do? Do you see <laughs> the Bulls maybe trying to make a trade or even? try to open up a roster spot to where you can get more shooting to the team because Billy Donovan, one thing he has been able to do was even though he may not have had a lot of three point shooting, he had guys that could knock down shots when they needed them the most. And that's something the bulls never really right. had. How, I mean, there's a, one of the guys that really come to my mind that is a currently free agent right now is Wesley Matthews, who is, who can take that veteran minimum and he's someone that can come off the bench at any time and pop down them threes anytime he wants to. Do you see the Bulls maybe potentially going after that type of a player um, and may, or trading for some type of player that can actually bring additional shooting to help alleviate the pressure of scoring the ball, from a, especially when it comes to Kobe White and Zach Levine, as your main guys are the only ones right now that can really get their own shot and create their own shot and get a bucket anytime. Yeah, so I... I actually don't uh, hmm. I don't see the Bulls going for a shooter. And here's the reason why. I think it's something Billy Donovan and Karnaschovas have potentially talked about Mark Eversley as well. Um, Jim Boylan brought this up a lot, but the Bulls last season, a lot of the players shot way worse than their career averages from three from the three point line. So I don't know if that was just because they were getting used to their new teammates. They were getting used to a new system. Uh, they were getting used to Jim Boylan potentially, but players like Tomas Sadoransky, he's usually a great three point shooter. Didn't really shoot it great last year. Um, Thaddeus Young has been okay from three throughout his career. He didn't really shoot a great last year. Uh, Kobe White is, in theory, you know, a good three-point shooter. He was kind of inefficient at times last season. So like you said, Josh, Zach Levine was one of the few guys who you could count on to be a knockdown three-point shot for the Bulls. So I think a big part of what the Bulls are expecting is a lot of players to get back to their career numbers from the three-point line. and So you don't really need to add a as much in terms of shooting. Um, Denzel Valentine is somebody I thought wasn't going to be on the team, but the Bulls brought him back or at least gave him a qualifying offer. So I think Billy Donovan likes Valentine. Um, remember, there was a point where Valentine was shooting 38% from the three-point line, his second season in the league. 
So I think Denzel Valentine's a player who we really hardly saw play last season. He's going to play a lot this year. And he's going to be a part of spacing the floor. Patrick Williams is going to be a part of that, hopefully. Uh, Kobe White will. So I could see the Bulls more still going after another forward. Uh, I would keep an eye on Jeremy Grant um, from the Denver Nuggets. Uh, He's a guy who's more of a four, but he can absolutely guard, I think, all five positions. And he's turned himself into a pretty good three-point shooter. So he can fit what the Bulls are trying to do, teach a guy like Patrick Williams. And if you sign Jeremy, Jeremy Grant to a long-term contract, it puts a little pressure on Otto Porter to, you know, maybe sign a more reasonable deal because they're willing to let him walk after this season if you have two ready-made replacements at the three spot. So I could still see the Bulls going after a small forward. Um, If the Bulls do do a trade, I would still be thinking point guard. Uh, Kimba Walker, you know, I can't see a player of Kimba Walker's caliber, um, just or of Kimba Walker's caliber, just because now that the draft has happened, I don't think the Celtics are interested in Patrick Williams necessarily, but I, you know, I don't have any intel on this, but just the random name I want to throw out. I could see the Bulls getting a guy like Lonzo Ball, perhaps. Uh, the Pelicans picked up Eric Bledsoe and George Hill in that trade. Stan Van Gundy is a coach that loves his veterans. So maybe the Pelicans want to go with Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, the Bulls can pick up Lonzo Ball, and Lonzo Ball is an excellent playmaker. Like, you can say whatever you want about Lonzo, but the two things we know that that dude can do is he can pass the heck out of the ball, and he's an excellent defender. So I think Lonzo would really fit what Chicago is trying to build right now, and he's a player I'd definitely be interested in as long as you don't have to give up uh, Wendell Carter or Zach Levine. That's crazy because we whiffed on LaMelo, so we're going to go after the brother. So. Can you imagine LeBron? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, he already—he's already has to deal with deal with MJ in you know in Charlotte with Lamelo going over there. He has to play one on one with him already once. He might have to talk about now. You got to talk about playing against him twice and seeing his statue. Oh my gosh, that would be <laughs> that would be crazy if that yeah, really happens. really quickly. I wanted to say, and I'm glad you brought up Levar really quickly because I've been talking to a lot of people about this, you know, in terms of winners and losers of the NBA draft, I think LeVar Ball is the biggest winner because, you know, I saw Shannon Sharp, I believe, gave him a pretty good shout out that I retweeted. You know, LeVar Ball has got a lot of, you know, a lot of crap throughout his life and rightfully so, you know, the guy talks way too much. <laughs> you know, he said ridiculous things you have ever heard. But the one thing you got to give LeVar credit, he had two sons become top five NBA draft picks. And, you know, they're almost like the Manning family of basketball. You know, I know people will hate that because, you know, they want to paint this picture of the ball family as being, you know, annoying and arrogant. And of course they had their stupid social media show, which I think was pretty dumb, but overall, I think the balls are a great family and LeVar for all of the crazy things that he said, he almost did exactly what he told us he was going to do. You know, two of the three kids are top five draft picks and are going to be playing in the NBA for a long time. So I just want to give a shout out to LeVar, man. You know, we haven't heard anything from him in a while. So hopefully it stays that way, but he definitely did a good job raising his kids, man. So I'll give him some credit there. Most definitely. We do got to give a shout out to LeVar Ball. I mean, you predicting your kids going to go, all of them going to play, play together or go pro at least go pro. And, and two of the two and the two of the top three picks. I mean, come on now. That's, that's pretty significant. And, you know, you got to give credit to. Yeah, and especially LaMelo was going to do it on his own. Like, I think no matter what, LaMelo would have been top three. Lonzo, I think it was a little iffy. I think LeVar talked so much that the Lakers convinced themselves that Lonzo was a top two pick. So, like I said, he's a good showman, man. He knows how to market. Yeah, that's very true. And he's going to have to find a way to market 
in Charlotte uh, <laughs> with MJ because he definitely put it out there. I could beat MJ one on one. I can't wait to see what that's gonna look like. <laughs> hey, look, let, but, let me let me tell you, Josh. I watch a lot of Hornets games on League Pass. I see how empty that stadium was when fans were allowed. They might need to do Levar versus MJ at every halftime show <laughs> to get those <laughs> ticket sales up once we're able to go back. Man, I'm I'm sad he's in Charlotte. They're a great franchise. It's just like man, like hopefully like he can build up the fan base because if people can't get excited for LaMelo ball, I don't know what you can get excited for, man. But like I said, enough about LaMelo. I'm happy with the bulls. And I think then things are trending up for them. Yes. And AK we trust. So we're going to give, we're going to see what this first, this first year is going to be like. And as we approach this upcoming season and, you know, obviously as NBA followers, they're going to follow NBA. What do you got coming up, sir? Cause I know you, as the, I know you you know, you had a lot going on with the NBA draft, being the draft guru that you are. But what, 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 what's, <laughs> Appreciate what's it, man. coming up, man, uh, that we should be looking up and looking forward to? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, first off, man, I, I defer to all the great people. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without great writers like Casey Johnson, Vincent Goodwill, all the people on draft Twitter that do excellent write-ups. So, um, but yeah, man, like now that the draft has happened, it's been so much build up to this. Obviously, we're keeping an eye on the offseason and then the NBA season is fast approaching with, you know, December is going to be right around the corner. So, um, you know, basically everything is up in the air right now. I would just tell people to make sure to follow me on Twitter at Zen Master Mike. Make sure to follow Bulls Confidential and check out the Bulls Confidential website. Uh, we have a ton of new content right now. I want to give a shout out to my man, Delane, who did a great job on draft night, uh, writing a few pieces. And then my co-editor, uh, Jeffrey Clark, also did some great pieces as well. So uh, Bulls Confidential, we got a lot of great stuff up. As the season comes up, we're going to have some more comprehensive breakdowns, pretty much looking at possible rotation battles. But, you know, all of that stuff, we're going to wait for training camp to actually get here. But just keep an eye on Bulls Confidential. And like I said, I legitimately do think with Billy Donovan as the head coach, the Bulls are going to be a lot better this season. At least, I think at least, you know, near a 500 team if they make one more solid addition. So, like I said, I'm not making any prediction yet. I still need to see free agency. But if they add one more guy uh, in the backcourt or on the wing, I could see the Bulls being pretty decent next year. We hope so. And the audience, that's everybody listening right now, you got to follow the Zen Master Mike with, the, with everything that he got going on. You got to follow him. And you can also follow me on Twitter at jhicks042 and on Instagram at that guy, Josh Hicks, because what other guy is there that's, that's, just, that's just as cool as Josh Hicks? <laughs> so that being said, though, man, Mike, thank you for coming on this in the scope show, man. We love, we appreciate you having having you on, giving your insight on everything Bulls, especially the NBA draft as the guru that you are, man. Keep up the good work. Obviously, as the season rolls around, we're gonna get, we got to get you back on to talk more things about the NBA and the Bulls as the Bulls go through their season. And we'll keep in touch, man. We'll talk soon. Of course, man. It's always great. Shout out to We Are Regal Radio, man, the whole team. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me on. And like I said, I can't wait to next time, bro. It's always a pleasure.